Welcome to the Lock Sportscast, your weekly source for Lock Sport news. This is episode 16. I'm your host, Charles Current. In today's episode, Squire Lock's new Bluetooth bike lock. The Squire SS100 gets shot at again. Lock picking can save lives. And Bogota trademark shenanigans. For full show notes with links, visit www.thelocksportscast.com. You can find this show on most podcasting apps, on YouTube, and at thelocksportscast.com. In the Locksport-related news here this week, on Twitter, at SquireLocks shared a story by Bike Radar that showcased their new Enigma BL1 bike lock. That is a Bluetooth bike lock that uses a phone app with cloud integration. It looks like a neat piece of tech. The concern I have is the one I usually do, which is it has the integrations of multiple different technologies, any one of which could have some serious security vulnerabilities that we don't know about yet. So we'll just have to wait and see. They do say that the lock itself makes the open, not open decision. Fair enough. They don't give a lot of details on how this works, what the technology involved in, what the how their communication works, how the cloud integration works. So there's really not a good way to, at this point, determine how or where it might be vulnerable. That's all I'll say about that at this point, because like I say, there's just not enough information. In another post on Twitter, Squirelocks said, more proof that our SS100 padlock stands up, mostly, to its reputation as the toughest in the world. See what happens when gun guy at Edwin Sarkissian, I guess, I don't know how you say that, shoots our toughest SS100 padlock with a heavy machine gun. I I wouldn't necessarily. (laughs) They shot it with several different guns. And the one that finally did the trick was, well, I'll let you watch it, but it wasn't a machine gun. Medico has uh, a new key cabinet, the Medico Intelligent Key Cabinet from Asa Abloy. And their little description here. The Medico Intelligent Key Cabinet is a key management system ideal for keys and other assets that require a high level of security and accountability. A complete storage and control solution, the IKC, is an electronically controlled steel cabinet that restricts access to keys and can only be opened by authorized personnel using PIN, biometric fingerprint, or prox card authentication, which is optional. The IKC electronically keeps a record of key removals and returns by whom and when. Exclusive IFOB technology allows the storage of all types of keys an essential addition to a Medico XT intelligent key system, it securely locks in place and charges Medico XT keys so that they are always ready to use. By adding an optional Medico XT IPD programming device, XT keys can receive programming updates as they charge. And then later in a list of benefits, one of the things it says is 
The IKC supports dual authentication if desired. For added security, a digital photo capture of each login can be added. Which is, is a good feature, but I'm, the wording confuses me. By dual authentication, do they mean two-factor authentication for each person wanting keys, or does it, or they mean it takes two people to access the cabinet? Two people will log in to actually open the cabinet. I'm not sure exactly what they mean there. It's a little vague. In a more lighthearted story, man is hailed as genius for coming up with diabolical revenge prank that requires you to leave hundreds of keys lying around with your enemy's phone number on them so they get calls about their lost keys for months. Mark Sebastian, a 29-year-old signed into IMG Models, shared a funny prank idea on TikTok about a week ago. The New York-based model said it can make a hated enemy's life just a little bit more annoying. The prankster need only to buy two to three pounds of miscellaneous cut keys for about $30 on eBay. They also need 100 plastic ID keychains where they write their enemy's phone number. After putting the keys on the keychains, the prankster should scatter the keys around. The victim will get countless calls from strangers who found their lost keys. All right, and this week, Redhead Lockpicker shared three stories that are of lockpicking saving lives. And the first one is from ITS Tactical's website by a guest contributor there. And the important parts of the story, I'll leave a link in the show notes so you can read the whole thing. It's actually quite a long, well-written uh, story. But the basics are family members notifying this person that their father was not answering the phone, said he hadn't been feeling well, and he tries to get the property manager to check on him, but nobody can get him to answer the door. The person goes over there with EMTs. The deadbolt's locked, so he just picks the lock, gets the door open, and they find the father unconscious right behind the door where he, you know, tried to crawl to the door to get help, but didn't make it, and basically ended up saving his life that way. And in another story from 2009 on Lockpicking 101 Forum, college friends out drinking, one of them just decides to drink way, way, way too much and ends up behind a locked door. And the writer of the post says that they had to pick a best door lock to gain access to the friends so they could get her in and get her treated for alcohol poisoning. All right, and the last story is a really simple one on holotech.com. It's more of a thanks for the training that they do thing where somebody just gives a real quick little recap that there was a suicidal male inside a building. They had to pick the lock to get access to this person so that EMS could take them to the hospital and save their life. And he's just thanking the Holotech for the training in that case. So, you know, lock picking can be a useful skill besides just a hobby. Just keep that in mind. Depending on your line of work or your family situation, it could actually save a life. Okay, and back to Twitter. Squelchtone on Twitter put up a post that said, stopped by an antique shop to ask if they had any safe locks or padlocks, and I was shown a safe they had bought but had no luck opening since they bought it 15 years ago. And he puts luck in all capital letters and in parentheses says, that's the combination. They had the combo, but could never open it. 
I dialed it open and got a free WB padlock. Greening face fun trip. And Starlock wanted to remind everybody that the DEFCON safe mode lockpicking village videos are up on YouTube still, and there is actually a playlist that he sent me a link to, and I'll have that in the show notes. It's called DEFCON safe mode lockpicking village, of course. So if you have any interest, go check that out. And Roompicker sent in a note that said, Hey, just wanted to let you know that this Friday, my challenge lock record will change from 56 and 0 to 56 and 1. This is significant because the challenge lock that will whip me has still not been picked. It has whipped JD, Dusty and Wendy, Georgia Jim, and myself. I am sending it to Corncob next. Cherelle sent in a link to. Uh, one of Bosnian Bill's latest videos, number 1776, Your Projects Highlighted. And he says, occasionally you guys send in your projects, and three I received recently deserve to be highlighted. And the first one, I believe we've talked about before, it is the lockpicking logbook, where you can actually log your challenge locks, your difficult locks, notes about them, what you picked, how you picked it, what tools you used, what you've tried, stuff like that. And he kind of goes over that in, in a pretty good amount of detail. He also highlights a homemade snap gun that was sent in to him. And he also highlights the 3D printed DD lock from Lethalogica X. And he goes over that in quite a bit of detail. So you can go check that out if you're interested. In karate belts this week, McQuirty333 was awarded his purple belt. And there was an announcement for another black belt. Big round of applause for our newest black belt at RUG. That crazy guy picked an EVA 3KS, EVA ICS, Multilock MT5 Plus, and Miwa 3800. I've also heard rumors that he got into safe cracking as well. So congratulations, gentlemen, and congratulations on your black belt at RUG. Very, very impressive accomplishment. In the lockpicking criminals section this week, we have two older stories. There was a story from 2014 out of Los Alamos, New Mexico, entitled Catholic Church Robbed. They suspect that somebody picked their way in the church because they could find no signs of forced entry. However, there was definite signs of forced entry on the safe that was pretty much destroyed to get access to that where they store some money and, and stuff there. There's no actual evidence that they stated in here that they picked the locks. Maybe somebody left something open, unlocked, a window unlocked, something. But there's no signs of forced entry, so they suspect that they picked it their way in. A, a recent story was shared with me also that mentioned lockpicking, but the mention of lockpicking was actually a reference to an older related story. And the, the older story that referenced lockpicking was from July 23rd of 2019 from Westerly, Rhode Island entitled Man Arrested Outside Taylor Swift's Home Had Crowbar, Lockpicks, and Rubber Gloves. And you've probably heard of this, but I'll just give you the basic overview. An Iowa man who told police he had traveled to Westerly, Rhode Island because he was hoping to visit with pop star Taylor Swift was arrested near the singer's home carrying a backpack containing more than 30 lockpicks and several other burglary tools. David Page Little charged with possession of burglary tools and possession of prohibited weapon other than a firearm, according to records. And that rep 
that weapon was reportedly an aluminum baseball bat. And turns out he was actually on a watch list for her security. So they were aware of him. He had tried to contact in the past, I guess. Anyway, now I'd like to take a break and say thank you to everyone that contributed to this episode. Executive producers for this episode are my Patreon supporters, Medler, Pandafrog, and Michael Gilchrist. Content producers for this episode are Room Picker, Lowell Forbes, Starrylock, Cherell, PHP Systems, and Redheaded Lockpicker. Remember, this show is only possible because of the information provided by you, the community. So if you're enjoying the podcast, if you think the podcast is worthwhile, please send in any Locksport-related information you have. I don't care if you don't think it's important or you think somebody else probably has already sent it to me. Send it anyway, because the chances are they haven't. And I probably could use it in some fashion. So send all that to podcast at thelocksportscast.com or any of the other methods listed in the show notes below. Or you can go to support.thelocksportscast.com and you can find all the contact ways that way. Don't forget to share the podcast with your lockpicking friends. You can also leave a review on your favorite podcasting platform or leave a comment and a thumbs up on the YouTube version. And there's also Patreon or donating via PayPal. One thing to note is if you do join on Patreon, you do get early access to episodes. It's usually only about a day. It's the time between when I actually finish editing it and when the official release time comes at Monday morning. And the main topic for this week was basically brought to you by Cherell. He shared with me a post by Locknoob that said, Hey, did you know that the term Bogota has been granted a registered European trademark to a UK-based lockpick company as of 27 August 2020? And that UK-based company was UK Bumpkeys. You know, my initial response was, what right do they have to trademark the term Bogota for lockpicks. As far as I know, they have no association with the person that created the the Bogota lockpick that is Raimundo uh, from the Lockpickers 101 forum back years and years ago. And Yuki Bumpkeys actually replied to the tweet and said, hello, everyone. Relax. Our intentions are all good. You'll see we are not the bad guys here. I made it it a picture as it is a long message. So basically their response, they made a image, which is interesting because it makes it non-searchable. And that image reads, we were recently asked to remove all occurrences of the word Bogota from our U.S. operation, which means all products we stock, including the once named Bogota rakes and Bogota rakes in other sets, such as multi-pick sets, no longer contain the word Bogota not only in the product titles, but in the descriptions of the picks. The company that made us make these changes owned the U.S. trademark for Bogota, referring to the three-peaked rake. To prevent them from making a similar legal request in our U.K. shop, we registered the U.K. Euro trademark. We have no intentions of using this to prevent anyone else from using the word Bogota, and we have made... No request, or we have made two requests to do so. I assume that means we have made no requests to do so. We did this simply to prevent the U.S. trademark holders from preventing U.K. Euro websites from using the word Bogota 
like they have in the U.S. So now this implication, especially with them saying, you'll see we're not the bad guys here, is implying that the person that, and the unnamed in their thing, U.S. trademark holder, that that trademark holder is the bad guy and is enforcing a, a trademark that they shouldn't be. That's the implication I get from this. And there was some confusion because the people didn't recognize who the trademark holder in the U.S. was. Looking it up, doing some research, you find that the U.S. patent is issued to, uh, there are two registrants listed. One is Hard Case Survival Custom Survival Kits, uh, which is operated by Jeffrey and Tina Reagan. And then the second is Matt Fiddler. And so doing some digging in some research, I find references in the Lockpickers 101 forum by Raimondo himself, the creator of the original Bogota pick, the one who originated the term. I find references that say that Matt Fiddler is apparently the authorized person to make and distribute the official Bogota picks, and his site is called Serapic. And the first post was in reference to someone's post called Someone Else is Selling Bogota Picks. And Raimundo said, There are some sites like ITS Tactical and other U.S. preppers where they have some kind of resale arrangement with Serapic. Matt is in charge of marketing for me, so how he gets the job done is his business. The titanium and stainless picks that are made by Serapic are under an agreement with me. And in a reply to another post entitled Bogota Arch Pick from Serapic slash Raimundo, Raimundo replied to somebody else saying, you could email Matt Fiddler and suggest that and suggest that to him. I don't have the most current information, but contacting Matt could put you high on the list for when something develops. So he's basically admitting here that he is not controlling it. He has an agreement with Matt, Fiddler, and Sarah Pick to make and distribute the official Bogota picks to his specifications, basically. And so this they have every right, as far as I can see, to have and enforce that trademark. And UK Bumpkeys and several other manufacturers were illegally infringing on that trademark, and they sounds like they basically received a cease and desist and rather than just saying, okay, let's just change the name of our picks, they went to block them from enforcing their trademark in the UK, the Europe and the UK, by trademarking the word Bogota themselves, even though they don't really have any claim to it. So I reached out to both uh, UK Bump Keys and Sarah Pick for comment, but this was at the last minute Friday and I haven't had a chance or they haven't had a chance to respl- reply yet. So I, if I get replies, I will follow up on this again next week. But at this point, all I can see is it still looks like kind of a bad faith move by UK bump keys to keep using a trademark. They really have no right to be using. And cause Bogota is the pick designed by Ramundo and distributed and sold by Sarah Pick. And the whole point of trademarking is to eliminate market confusion. Bogota 
is Raimundo's property. The others are just a generic triple peak rake, but they want to keep calling them Bogota. And I don't know, to me at this point, it seems like they are the bad guys in this situation. Let me know what you think. You know, there, there's lots of different ways to look at this and I could be blindsided, but that's just the way I see it at this point. And just a reminder on sales, there is still a promo code that is active for multi-pick. That promo code will be in the show notes. It saves you, or you can find it at the Lockpickers United Discord. It saves you 4% on orders over 75 euros until September 30th. On to giveaways. Room Picker is still running his hashtag RP spicy challenge. I have a link to his video number 85 in the show notes. The basic thing is you have to pick a lock after taking a shot of hot sauce. And that's how you get an entry. And you can get bonus entries for picking more locks, but each successive one you have to have a hotter hot sauce shot. So kind of a fun one. So you should check that out and make sure you check out any videos of people doing that because that should be really entertaining. And Michael Gilchrist is running his hashtag Norlin 100, celebrating his 100 subscribers. By the way, congratulations, Michael Gilchrist. And he has two different packages, a beginner package and a more advanced package. You can find all the rules to that giveaway in his L55 video, hashtag Norlin 100 subscriber giveaway, and I'll have a link to that in the show notes. Alex's Mad Aussie Challenge is still running, and there are lots of videos in that series, so you should check out that. You can do a search for the hashtag Mad Aussie Challenge, and you can find all of those. The rules for each successive week change, and there are different members of the community that are announcing those rules because Alex doesn't have his own YouTube channel to do that. And as he says, he doesn't want one. So make sure you go check out that hashtag. And Lowell Forbes is still having his hashtag Lowell's Wild One Year giveaway, which is his celebration of being one year on YouTube in Locksport. It is running through the end of September 2020. You can find all the rules in his video number 83, which will be linked in the show notes. Starlock, of course, is still doing his hashtag shoutout Monday series where he highlights a channel with less than 100 subscribers and tries to entice people to go check out those videos, subscribe and comment by having a giveaway for a Law Lock Tools gift certificate every month. So go check out Starlock's channel or just do a search for hashtag shoutout Monday to find the rules and the videos that he shares. And of course, I am still doing my Pack Lock a Month giveaway, both through Charles Scrap and the Lock Sportscast. You can find all the rules to that in the show notes or at giveaway.thelocksportscast.com. Basics are share stories with me that I can use on the podcast or share the podcast itself and make sure that I know that you shared the podcast and I can get you an entry into the giveaway. Last month we had 100 entries and we're on track to be about the same amount this month. And remember, this podcast needs your support. 
You can support the podcast by sending me any information that you have that's Locksport related, even if you don't think it's important or you think somebody else will have shared it with me because it's so common knowledge. Don't count on that. A lot of people think that and I don't get the story. So send me anything you've got that's Locksport related, even if it's small, insignificant. I don't care. Send it to me. Overwhelm me with emails. Podcast at thelocksportscast.com. Or you can contact me on other social media platforms via the methods listed in the show notes or go to support.thelocksportscast.com for a full list there, too. You can share the show with your lockpicking friends. That always helps. Leave a review on your favorite podcast platform or leave a comment and a thumbs up on YouTube. That helps the YouTube algorithm know to share it with other people. You can subscribe and or donate via paypal or patreon and if you support the show in some significant way i will share a link to your youtube channel or blog or whatever it is that you have that you want shared so make sure you send me those links when you send me the information so that i know what to share thanks and remember keep it legal (laughs) 